This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. I want you to get mad. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! I'm mad as hell! I'm not going to take it anymore! I'm mad as hell! I'm not going to take it anymore! Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Welcome to the broadcast for Sunday, October the 23rd. Well, Mr. Camping, you're 0 for 3, I think. Of course, uh, back in uh, in May, he was calling for the end of the world in on May 11th, 2011, and then he revised that, and uh, I guess a miscalculation, forgot to carry the 6 or something. <laughs> he, uh, he said, no, it's going to be October the 21st. Uh, and although it may seem like this planet is going to uh, heck in a handbasket at the speed of light. We're still here, and or most of us, uh, anyway, and uh, minus uh, one tin pot dictator from Libya. Uh, October 21st came and went, and uh, so I don't know what uh, Harold Camping is, uh, is, is going to do now. I guess he'll go back to the uh, his flow charts and uh, um, recalibrate or something, but I'm sure we'll hear from him again. All right. Uh, just a heads up. Next week... October the 30th, we'll have a uh, special Halloween edition coming your way. Dr. Bob Curran, who is always uh, a wonderful uh, storyteller, he'll join us live from his home in Belfast, Ireland. He has a new book out, kind of a, uh, a ghost handbook. He'll talk about spirits and specters and, of course, things that go bump. What do you expect on Halloween? you think we're going to talk about, uh, I don't know, uh, inflation? No. Uh, and we'll also uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll speak with an essayist, Thomas Rosetto. I don't know if you are aware, that, but um, Harry Houdini, the great uh, escape artist, illusionist, and so forth, he was also a debunker. He did not believe in life after death. He didn't believe in spirit communication, and uh, he actually incorporated into his act, along with his uh, wife Bess, uh, on stage they would actually. Uh, debunk, and they would show how it how these mediums actually you know pull these uh, these scams off, and he would actually I mean he did not make many friends in that uh, in the uh, the spiritualist community which was very big at the time you know the turn of the century up into the 1920s. Well, lo and behold, in 1926 he's up at McGill University, gets punched in the stomach, and uh, dies about nine days later uh, of um, when his appendix burst. But he actually prearranged with Bess 
He said, listen, we're both skeptics, but if there's any way from the grave beyond I can communicate with you, I will try. And they, they prearranged some, some code words. Uh, and apparently, the after-death uh, experiment, according to Bess, initially, it worked, and then she recanted. And so back and forth, you know, the debate has raged. Uh, anyway, Thomas Rosetta will be here Halloween, uh, well, the day before Halloween, uh, to discuss the actual results of that after-death experiment with Harry Houdini, his wife Bess, and a, um, a well-known spiritualist medium at the time uh, by the name of Arthur Ford. And uh, you don't want to miss that. Uh, we'll also learn all about zombies. That's coming up next week. Hey, I hope you enjoyed the, uh, the conspiracy uh, television program which uh, we aired our last episode of Season 2 on Vision TV on uh, Thursday night. And um, you, can, uh, you can check out, if you missed those episodes, we, all, we aired all 31 episodes from Seasons 1 and Seasons 2. And uh, if, you didn't, uh, if you didn't happen to uh, see all of them, then shame on you, first of all. Uh, but also, uh, they're all available online in Canada. And uh, all you need to do is go to the, uh, the website, www.visiontv.ca, visiontv.ca. And uh, just, uh, you know, click on the schedule and find the show. And uh, um, I believe all of the episodes are now up there for Canadian eyes only. Uh, and in the meantime, we sit and we wait for word on season three. So if you'd like to, uh, there is a, uh, a conspiracy show, uh, a face, uh, Facebook page. Uh, for uh, the show on Vision. And uh, if you want to log on there and tell us what you think about the show, and you can also, of course, continue to contact me through the website at theconspiracyshow.com. Got tremendous feedback uh, on, on, uh, on Season 2, so thank you, thank you for, uh, for your kind words. All right. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about how science fiction is actually starting to look closer to becoming science fact. And a recent mathematical discovery by Oxford University scientists is, um, well, it certainly made my ears prick up because it's sweeping away one of the key objections uh, to the mind-boggling controversial idea of parallel universes. And uh, as we'll discover in the next hour, the work has a lot of other implications, not only parallel universes, but it also has some implications for time travel. Uh, because if you have parallel universes or a multiverse theory, uh, that wipes away sort of the grandfather paradox, which was one of the stumbling blocks, you know, uh, preventing traveling back in time. You know, you know the grandfather paradox? You accidentally, in a, in a, you travel to the past, you back the car out of the driveway, you hit your grandfather, you kill him, therefore your father's not born and therefore you're not born. That's the grandfather paradox. Well, if there's a, parallel universe, you can sort of skirt around that little issue. But imagine, now these are not all Oxford scientists, or these are not all scientists, this is not necessarily, you know, it's not gone mainstream, but let's say 10% of the theoretical physicists out there are now saying, yes, parallel universes exist. Well, what does all this mean? We are about to find out. Jim Elvidge holds a master's degree in electrical engineering from Cornell University. He's applied his training to the high-tech world as a leader in technology and enterprise management, including many years in executive roles for various companies at Entrepreneurial Ventures. He also holds four patents in digital signal processing and has years of experience as a musician, a writer, and truth seeker. He merged 
his technology skills with his love of music, developed one of the first PC-based digital music samplers, and co-founded Radio Amp, the first private label online streaming radio company. For many years, Jim has kept pace with the latest research, theories, and discoveries in the varied fields of subatomic physics, cosmology, artificial intelligence, nanotechnology, and the paranormal. Jim Elvidge, welcome to The Conspiracy Show again. How are you, my friend? Great, Richard. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on again. It's, uh, it's been a little while, and I uh, really enjoy the topic that you picked for tonight. Awesome topic. Yes, and we should also mention, of course, uh, the website and the book, TheUniverseSolved.com, The Universe Solved, uh, in which, you know, you, you, uh, you, you provide a lot of uh, answers. Although, how many, I mean, it's hard to have definitive answers in a universe that's comprised of 95% dark matter, and we really don't know a lot about it. <laughs> Absolutely true. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I just love about science and the way things progress is that we think we know a certain amount of information. Take back in the 1800s, they, at one point they thought that the end of science was near and that there was very little more to, to learn other than calculating some constants out to a, a greater precision. Um, and then all of a sudden Einstein comes along and throws a wrench in that idea and then quantum mechanics comes along and just kind of revolutionizes physics. And, and that's going to keep on happening. And, and some of the things that have been discovered recently, and I'm not saying that these faster-than-light neutrinos at CERN are necessarily going to uh, change physics, but they could. And it's that kind of thing, I think, that's going to continue to happen. There's always going to be things that challenge the existing theories. We're never going to find that grand unified theory where everything fits in nicely. It's all, always going to keep on evolving. And it's actually kind of part of the theory of the universe solved, that, that things just work that way. Well, you mentioned the neutrinos, and, and now we have this study out of Oxford. I mean, you, one, you almost gets the sense uh, that the the old guard, I mean, this is what happens in science. I mean, a lot of the resistance comes from sort of an entrenched mindset. But those scientists, they get older, they retire, they pass away. They're replaced by by others who um, are more maybe open to some of these ideas. And this is how, I guess, science really progresses. Sometimes it doesn't progress as quickly as we'd like. Uh, but do you get the sense that we are really on the precipice of of totally rethinking everything we, we know about who we are, where we came from, what the universe is made of? Yeah, I, I agree, Richard. It, it does seem that way. It, it, if you look back, say, over the last 40 years, there, there were certainly a lot of advances in physics, uh, quantum chromodynamics, and, and things like that that, that that kind of finely tuned the understanding of, of physics and cosmology um, as we know it today, the discovery of dark matter, things like that. But, you know, right now, some, some physicists, especially in Ikoki, out in Vienna, Austria, and others at, at CERN uh, in, in Europe, people at Fermilab, they're discovering things about reality that are just baffling. You know, that reality doesn't exist, that locality doesn't exist, that you can you know, maybe see effects before causes and just crazy things like this. That they're, uh, and they're able to create experiments that actually demonstrate some of these realities, and it's really very interesting. Well, let's talk about the, uh, the story out of Oxford. What did, first of all, what did you think when you read that Oxford, this mathematical study by Oxford scientists, basically affirming the existence of parallel universes? 
Well, the one thing that, that I would definitely caution you know, anybody who reads those things about is that science doesn't deal in facts, and it doesn't deal in, in proofs. It, it deals in evidence. So any experiment, any uh, computation, um, any mathematical analysis lends evidence for a theory, and the theory gets more and more support, but it never crosses over into the domain of a proof. A proof has to do with mathematics. Mathematics deals with proofs, but science deals with theories. And no matter how much evidence you get for something, um, it still remains just a theory. But, uh, you know, the more evidence there is, the more confirming experiments there are, such as with uh, relativity, the more likely that theory is to be true. But they, they always will hold out the possibility that it's an approximation. So, for example, Newtonian mechanics, um, the, the old view of physics prior to Einstein um, is an approximation at slow speeds. And Newtonian mechanics is an approximation at, um, at macroscopic levels, at, at the kind of sizes of things that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. When you get down to the quantum level, you need a different theory to explain how things work. And when you get to speeds that are close to the speed of light, you need a different theory to explain how things work. Explain um, to me the, the, the multiverse theory. What is the multiverse theory as you understand it? Ah, that's such a great question because we could go in so many directions here. When, when people talk about multiverses, it really depends who you're talking to. So, for example, if you talk to a cosmologist or an astronomer about a multiverse, they may be talking about this idea that, um, that the, the, the multiverse is like a fractal. We have these bubbles of universes that, that um, get forked off of, off of a uh, kind of a, a space-time path and continue um, like, a, like one of these fractals, one of these Mandelbrot sets that you've, you've probably seen pictures of. Um, that's what is often referred to as a multiverse in the cosmology world. Another way to look at it is um, some people like Max Tegmark, mathematician, talk about the multiverse as the idea that if space is really infinite, then any organization of particles will ultimately repeat itself. So the way we have our Earth today and the complexity of the state of all the particles in Earth, somewhere else in the multiverse, that has to exist as well. So you know, when, when you talk to people who think about those kinds of things, they refer to the multiverse as this idea that there are parallel worlds out there that are very similar to our worlds, but they may be so far away from a distance standpoint that you could never interact with them. That's, but that's just one view of the multiverse. What David Deutsch talks about is uh, a different kind of multiverse, and that's the quantum mechanics view. So that. You know, and, and we should dive right into that um, in a minute, but let me just outline a couple others. Um, another view of the multiverse is uh, kind of a dimensional view. So you could have different dimensions other than the three spatial dimensions that we have. Maybe there are other dimensions that allow you to travel between these spatial dimensions, travel perhaps even at speeds faster than the speed of light. And by the way, some people have invoked that idea as a means to explain these faster-than-light neutrinos that were found in, um, at CERN. Um, but the idea of having different dimensions, different spatial dimensions, allows for the possibility that we could have parallel universes just 
sort of on top of each other. We just can't get to the other ones because we can't travel through those those other dimensions. We have no, yeah, we have no concept. We can't wrap our brains. I, I liken it to, uh, you know, the goldfish in the goldfish pond, and we're standing, hovering above them, looking down at them, and they have no concept, you know, that above them exists this other world. Uh, and that, we're, you know, uh, if, if they penetrate that thin veil of the water's surface, they would come out into this other, this whole other dimension. Exactly, yeah. That, I mean, it's a good way to look at it. The, the, the way I like to think about it is, um, you've probably read about the, uh, the idea of the Flatlanders. I yes. Think there was a science fiction book um, some time ago musing about the idea that what if you lived in a two-dimensional world? You lived on a plane, kind of like a sheet of paper with, you know, infinitesimally thin thickness. And all you could see is in two dimensions. There was no such thing as a, a third dimension. And what happens if a, a sphere passed through your plane, through your sheet of paper? Well, what you would see when the sphere first touches your plane, you'll see a dot on the ground. And then as it gets um, deeper and deeper into your um, two-dimensional space, that dot turns into a circle that gets bigger and bigger and then as the sphere starts exiting, going out the other side of your piece of paper or your plane, that circle gets smaller and smaller and smaller, turns into a dot, and then it disappears. So from the standpoint of the flatlanders, the people living in the two-dimensional space, they just see a circle that, that starts at a point and grows and then shrinks and disappears, and it's a bizarre idea to them. But take that whole idea and think about it from a three-dimensional standpoint. So just like they're unaware of the third dimension and all they can see is how that third dimension projects on their little two-dimensional world, imagine if the same thing happened with us. We're in a three-dimensional space. If there is an additional dimension, additional spatial dimension, and string theorists, by the way, say there are ten, um, and we, we can talk about that too, but if there is an additional one, it's possible that something could come through our space. We would see it as a temporary three-dimensional object that might appear and disappear, but it's traveling between different parallel universes. So in this Flatlander example, imagine there was a sheet of paper underneath the sheet of paper that you're living on, and on that sheet of paper, and I use the word paper kind of metaphorically, um, on that sheet of paper lives a whole nother universe of, of individuals in their two-dimensional space. Well, they don't know about the sheet of paper above them. In fact, you could have this, you know, a ream of hundreds, thousands, millions of sheets of paper all parallel to each other. They would never know about each other. But the way they could travel from one to the next is to exploit that additional dimension. Um, and, and that's what some physicists are talking about may be happening with these neutrinos is it's, it's kind of cheating three-dimensional space and cheating the uh, theory of relativity by traveling into an extra dimension and appearing, you know, somewhere else back into our, in, in our third-dimensional world. And for those uh, not familiar with the, uh, the Flatlanders, uh, they could uh, perhaps replace that with uh, Dr. Zeus's uh, Horton, here's a who. Uh, exactly. Listen, we'll take a time out when we come back. We'll talk, you mentioned David Deutsch, uh, Oxford 
uh, university scientist uh, who has talked about uh, uh, quantum computing and uh, also is positing this parallel or the multiverse theory, uh, but coming at it from sort of the quantum physics uh, level. We'll discuss what that means. What is a parallel universe? What does it mean uh, for us here on Earth on in this dimension? Jim Elvich, the author of The Universe Solved, back with more in a moment. Stay with us. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To reach Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To speak to Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Jim Elvich, the author of The Universe Solved, is with us talking about the multiverse theory or the possibility that parallel universes do, in fact, exist. Okay, so David Deutsch, Oxford University, highly respected proponent of quantum theory. Um, what, is, what is he saying? That, how, what is he positing how, uh, in terms of how our universe might be constructed? Okay, sure. Yeah, no, this is a, this is a great topic. Um, Quantum mechanics, we, we have to go back a little bit, um, if I may, um, and just kind of frame this up. So, so quantum mechanics, um, as I mentioned before, uh, arose out of the um, idea of looking at things at a very, very small level, very microscopic level, and how things behave, how particles behave. And it was found that uh, not only uh, light behaves sometimes as a particle and sometimes as a wave, but so do actual particles like electrons. Um, so, in other words, it seems like matter sometimes behaves like a particle and sometimes behaves like a wave. And this was determined with some famous experiments called the double slit experiment um, and, and others that, that uh, generated this kind of anomaly. And what, what originally people thought was, uh, well, what, what seems to be happening here is that uh, these electrons that are going through these two slits of a, of a board and making these interference patterns on the other side, it seems like they're actually going through these two slits at the same time. And that just doesn't make any sense. But all the experiments that were done to try to tease out the, 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 location, the actual location of these particles in these experiments came to the conclusion that they couldn't talk about it. They couldn't determine exactly where a particle went when you got down to that, you know, very small level of, um, you know, very submicroscopic level of looking at these, these particles. So as a result, the theory was that the particles actually go in all different dimensions, or all different directions, sorry, um, but they, they do so with sort of a probability. And it's kind of like if you were to roll dice. Uh, sometimes a six comes up, sometimes a five comes up, sometimes a one comes up. And if you have 
say, you know, several dice um, in your in your hand, the the likelihood that three ones come up or three sixes come up is very small, but the likelihood that they're all going to add up to one of the middle numbers is much higher. And so there's sort of a curve, if you will, of probabilities. And, and this is the way quantum mechanics says that reality works, that there are really these probabilities of things happening, but they don't really happen. They all happen sort of simultaneously and only when somebody observes them, meaning a conscious entity like a, a human, an experimenter, actually observes these things, does this probability function collapse into an actual measurement. And that is just a really bizarre concept. I mean, it's basically saying that, you know, the old adage, does it, you know, if a tree falls in the woods, does anybody hear it? You know, the answer, according to quantum mechanics, is no. An observer has to be there for something to be really happening. It also suggests that we we shape our own, not only shape, we create our own reality by simply observing something because what is being observed, uh, and, and the mathematical term would be like a wave function, the observer Absolutely. determines yep. the outcome. Right. And th there have been some, uh, actually some recently some very interesting experiments. I, I'd suggest your listeners look up something called the Delayed Choice Quantum Eraser Experiment. It's kind of a funny sounding name. But what it says is that you can actually retroactively change an experiment and change the results, almost as if you can influence the past and that, you can change the past. That's like time this travel. A, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a bizarre idea. But now, so, so this was sort of the state of the thinking back in the 50s, and a, a physicist named Hugh Everett came up with an alternative explanation, which is no less confusing and no less unbelievable. But his explanation was that every time a particle has to make a decision, you know, of one of these probabilities, it actually creates an entire new universe, one in which it goes down the one path and one in which it goes down the other path. And in fact, if you have a you know, kind of a distribution of probabilities of all different directions that something can go. Every single universe is created in which that particle goes down one of those directions. And we're talking about things that happen, you know, zillions and zillions of times a second. And I know the word zillion isn't a number, but it's, it's such an unimaginably large number of times per second that these kinds of things happen that theoretically there must be in almost an infinite number of universes that have been created. You know, a universe that's created where we're not speaking, but, um, you know, I'm actually in the studio. A universe created where none of us exist. You know, every conceivable possible scenario exists according to the Everett theory of quantum mechanics. So every time there's so, an event, even at, I mean, we're talking about at the, at the quantum, the subatomic level, every time there's an event, yes. an atom decays, a radioactive atom decays, a, a particle of light reaches our eyes or our retina, the universe splits into a different universe. Exactly. My word. And, and, and that's just, you know, it sounds ludicrous at first, but you mentioned before that 10% uh, of physicists believe this. I, I had actually read a, a higher number that was somewhere in the 40 to 50%. Really? Wow. So, yeah, um, and, and I'm not sure. It, it, it probably depends on how you would 
uh, phrase the question, but um, so what David Deutsch did was he did some mathematical analysis of these probabilities. So, in other words, based on the experiments, do the, um, the, the, the probabilities seem to follow the kind of likelihood that they would follow if the universe actually splits into all of these different things. And what he came up with is it matches pretty well. So it lent some support to the idea that we live in this multiverse, and this is a, you know, another use of the word multiverse. It lends support to it, but it doesn't really prove it. And I'd offer this example to think about. So imagine if before computers, if people were kind of thinking about the motion of the stock market. On any particular day, a particular stock might go in one direction or a different direction. It might go, you know, make a large move or a small move in either direction. And they might speculate that, well, that could be due to the fact that there's some Wizard of Oz type guy in the back room who's thrown a dart at the wall. And if the dart is on the right-hand side of a line, that's going to make that stock go you know, positive, and if the dart's on the left side of the line, it goes negative, and the further it is away from the line, the bigger the movement. You see what I'm saying? Yes, yes, if, which I think is a pretty accurate description of uh, reality in the current financial crisis. <laughs> Probably. Um, but if a mathematician took that, um, those results and looked at all of the motions of the stocks in a stock market day after day after day and, and added them all up, they may come to the conclusion that it exactly matches the likelihood that a dart is going to fall some distance from the line. But it doesn't, it has nothing to do with cause and effect. It doesn't mean that that guy throwing the dart is really causing the stock market to move. It just happens to match it because it's following a, a Gaussian distribution of probabilities. So what I'm suggesting is that David Deutsch's work is really interesting, and it does lend some support to the idea of the um, of the what, what they call the many world uh, interpretation of quantum mechanics. That there are these you know zillions of universes being created all the time, but it doesn't prove it at all. And it could be that those probabilities are due to something else, and and that something else you know mathematically describes his his uh, experiments as well as the experiments of quantum mechanics. True, um, but when taken in combination with, for example, uh, you, you mentioned earlier the discovery of these neutrinos, uh, which appear to be traveling faster than the speed of light, that may perhaps be explained by uh, a parallel universe or these neutrinos jumping, flitting, flitting from one dimension to the next and then uh, therefore appearing to be traveling faster than the speed of light. If you combine that with the worldwide UFO phenomenon, of course, and many other paranormal, supernatural um, phenomena that, that uh, might be an explanation for the, you mentioned the Flatlanders, the ball traveling through, you know, the plane, the, 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 the piece of paper. Um, it all really starts to sort of add up in a, in a, in a strange way. It, it does, I agree. Um, I think it adds up a little bit differently in a, in a definition of the multiverse that, that I would use um, called the programmed reality multiverse. Um, and, and we could you know, talk about that, too. I would say one thing, though, about the, the quantum mechanics one, the many worlds interpretation, the one that David Deutsch is looking at, 
all of those universes, you know, in that theory, um, are inaccessible to each other. So, according to you know that many worlds interpretation theory, you can't jump from one universe to another um, of that type of multiverse. So, so therefore, that type of multiverse couldn't describe the neutrinos because they start in our reality and they end up in our reality and somehow maybe they tunnel through a different dimension but if they're tunneling into one of these Hilbert space universes they would never be able to get there so you know it's a, it's a different it's a different kind of problem um, and the same thing with UFOs or things that appear to um, appear out of nowhere and disappear those couldn't be ascribed to the David Deutsch type of multiverse because you can't travel between those. And why not? Universes. Why not? Why can't you? Well, again, that's a really good question. Maybe you can, and the physicists haven't figured out a way to make the math work, but um, according to you know, what Hugh Everett um, developed, the, the theory of quantum mechanics um, called the many, many worlds interpretation, these universes are in a space of universes called Hilbert space, and they're like those flat lander slices of paper. You can't go from one to the other. Um, at least there's no known mechanism, or there's no theoretical mechanism for going from one universe to the other. They're all truly in parallel, and you, you can't go from one, one to the other. Well, we'll, uh, we'll take a time out, and when we come back, maybe we can talk a little bit about a, the type of uh, multiverse theory that might allow uh, for us to access those other parallel universes. We'll also discuss what does that mean? What does a parallel universe mean? Does it mean that uh, that I exist, that my producer Griffin exists, that you exist in, in, in a limitless number of other realities and another uh, limitless number of parallel universes? And how would they differ? How are they similar? We'll get into all of that with Jim Elvidge, author of The Universe Solved. We'll also take take uh, questions and comments on uh, one of my favorite subjects. And we'll, uh, we'll get into time travel as well. 416-360-0740 from Toronto and surrounding environs. 416-360-0740. Toll free from just about anywhere. Maine to Minnesota, south to the Carolinas. 866-744-740. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. AM 740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740. Fasten your seatbelt and put your tray in the upright position. You're about to leave everything you know behind on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. We're talking about the multiverse theory, or parallel universes. It sounds like something out of a Star Trek episode, and yes, I mean, they've covered that. Uh, you'll remember the episode of the, the original Star Trek series. Uh, you had the, the good Spock and uh, the evil Spock, and he was identified with the, the goatee. Why do they always show the evil guy has to wear a goatee? <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, the, and we're also discussing this new uh, uh, discovery at Oxford uh, University in which some scientists there are saying that this points to the existence of parallel uni universes. Commenting in New Scientist magazine, uh, Professor Andy Elbrecht, a physicist at the University of California, uh, Davis, said... 
that this work will go down as one of the most important developments in the history of science. Okay, so if if um, the the quantum theory of a parallel universe would tend to discount or or prevent, uh, argue against you know accessing those different parallel universes, is there a theory of a parallel universe which would allow us to catch glimpses of those other universes? Uh, yeah, possibly. I could, I could think of a couple. Um, one might be this idea of multiple dimensions. So, for example, uh, string theorists talk about uh, the idea of our reality being 11 dimensions, a time dimension and 10 spatial dimensions. Um, and in those dimensions, perhaps there is a way to, you know, kind of navigate through it. And we don't, know, we don't know how that's being done right now. So, again, think of your, you know, your parallel sheets of paper with people living on it. You know, maybe there's a way to tunnel from one paper to another that those, those flatlanders just haven't figured that out yet. They're still dealing in the, you know, the four known forces. You know, we're still dealing in the four known forces, electromagnetic and, and um, you know, weak nuclear and strong nuclear and gravity. Maybe there's another force that, that, you know, allows us to travel in those other dimensions and kind of, you know, exceed um, the speed of light, for example. Um, you know, maybe it has something to do with, with dark matter. We seem, to ex- we, we seem to feel the effects of dark matter, but we can't interact with it. And this sounds real similar to this idea of, of multiple, you know, parallel universes, this idea that they're right there with us, they just can't interact with us. Um, and if you think about neutrinos, it's, it's the same thing. They, they have to build these incredibly complex detectors just to detect neutrinos. You know, millions of them go through your body every second. Uh, it's actually an astounding number. And they don't interact, so they don't cause any, um, any problem with you. They don't uh, generate any gene decay or anything like that. Um, and, and the fact that they don't interact makes it very difficult to detect them because you have to, you know, come up with some means of figuring out that they're even there. They're, up to that point, theoretical. So... You know, imagine a, uh, you know, a different parallel world made out of dark matter, made out of neutrinos that exists right on top of yours. You just don't know it's there because you can't get there. But maybe it's only because of our lack of ability to um, understand what force or what mechanism could allow us to travel between those two. And, and just one example to throw out might be, say, quantum entanglement. It seems to be that um, and, and just to kind of clarify what that means is this known um, uh, this known aspect of quantum mechanics where any two particles that are in proximity to each other or kind of interact with each other for the rest of the lives of these particles they're entangled, which means whatever one does, the other one does, and they can you can move them light years apart theoretically they've tested this up to i think about ten miles this distance and the, what one does instantaneously, the other one does. And there's no real explanation for that because the instantaneous nature of it seems to violate relativity. They can't be communicating with each other, sending a, a wave to each other. Could they? But maybe they could. Maybe that's the mechanism for faster-than-light communication. We just don't know a way to detect it at this point. Or it may suggest uh, that that uh, that space, the space between particles of matter, is an illusion. 
very good, very good thought. And um, quantum physicists actually say that that is the case. You know, when you get down, if you were to, able to turn up the power on a microscope more and more and more, you know, a factor of 10 um, constantly over and over, you get to a point where when you're looking at space, you get to um, what's called the Planck length, which means that there's nothing in between two points in space. And it's a really hard concept for us to understand because we, we think of everything as being continuous. Everything we look at, we can always find a point in between it. Um, in time, we think of continuous. Any, any, any point in time and any other point in time, we can always think of a point in time between those two points in time. So everything seems to be continuous at our, you know, very macroscopic, high-level view. But when you crank up the microscope and really dive in, uh, quantum physicists say that, that reality is actually discrete. And it's, it's space is sort of like a grid of points. And the, that grid is very, very tiny, the points, um, you know, the distance between them. And time is like a, you know, a clock chunking along at units of time, and nothing happens between those two units of time. So, yeah, um, and, and that actually kind of relates to the theory that I talk about in my book, which is the idea that, you know, we could be in some sort of very, very complex um, program, programmed reality, a matrix type of thing. Um, the idea of the quantized universe, both in space and time, is exactly the way a, a computer works. You know, everything you see on your screen is quantized. It has to be quantized, otherwise it would be infinitely expensive to produce. Um, you'd need an infinite resolution monitor and an infinite size of, of disk and an infinite size of memory and an infinite speed CPU, and it just would never work. So, so who's typing out all the HTML code? Who's responsible right, for the exactly. HTML code, Dad, Jim? That's the million-dollar yeah. question. Uh, it, it is. So... Um, you know the the, the the theory of kind of uh, that kind of explains a lot of this to, to me is this idea of a programmed reality. So I could very easily explain entanglement, for example. It's it's something that happens on every clock cycle. You know, two particles once entangled, according to the program, they just follow the same behavior thereafter. Every single clock cycle, the system checks to see what one does and it makes sure the other one does the same. I don't know what the point would be, but that perfectly explains that. It also explains, you know, the, the idea of uh, parallel realities in a different way. I mean, if you think about instances of a program, have you ever had your computer go crazy where it, uh, it generates a, a browser and then it generates another one and, and all of a sudden you're, you've got like a million browsers popping up on your screen? Um, I think this was a, a defect to one of the popular browser types in right. the past. Right, yes. Um, and it's it, what, what the computer is doing is forking or creating an instance of a program one after another. And that program has its own memory space and its own, you know, world effectively. You know, maybe that's exactly what happens in these parallel universes is that the program is creating instances um, uh, of the program that cause these effects that, that physicists are seeing. But but it would require, I mean, in all seriousness, it would require a programmer, right? You're, you're talking about uh, uh, a, a master programmer or or uh, a master, uh, an intelligence that would be responsible behind all of this. Absolutely. And and if, if you kind of look at where we are in the state of the art today, I mean, people have 
written some self-sustaining programs, um, and even things like uh, some of the uh, the online games that people play, um, uh, you know, Second Life or things like that, where you know you, you just put a construct out there and you allow people to form friendships and create things and design things and add new things to the program and allow people to interact with the program, you know, who knows where that program goes. It becomes its own, effectively, it becomes its own world. So, you know, how far advanced, the question is, how far advanced would we have to be to have developed something as complex as what we see in our reality? Um, And it turns out it's not really all that far past where we are today. Um, it's maybe 20, 30 years. I mean, even if you had to program things down to the quantum level, um, that might be a hundred or a couple hundred years, you know, given today's rate of, of, uh, of technological growth. So it's not totally out of the question, especially when you consider that the universe as we think of it is 13 billion years old. A couple hundred years is, is a drop in the bucket in, in that time frame. So, if you believe that there may be other life forms out there, other intelligent life forms out there um, that are at least a couple hundred years more advanced than us, and almost certainly there would be if you allow that there's anybody else out there, um, you know, there's likely to be many others. And if any of them are a couple hundred years beyond our technological level, they have the ability to create uh, effectively a universe that's as complex as what we see. Jim Elvidge, the author of The Universe Solved, the website, theuniversesolved.com, as we discuss the multiverse theory, among other things. Um, let's get back to the parallel universe, and wh- whether we're talking about an interdimensional or, or, or quantum, a quantum theory. Uh, what, what does that mean uh, practically uh, for, let's say, for, uh, for you? Does that mean, Jim, that there is uh, an infinite number of Jim Elvidges uh, doing very similar things or drastically different things in an infinite number of other universes. Yeah, according to the uh, the many worlds interpretation and, and what David Deutsch has developed supporting evidence for or, or investigated and, and determined some supporting evidence for, that would be correct. Um, there's a, a Richard Thoret, you know, doing all kinds of things in all kinds of phases of his life and. Um, you know, every decision that you've ever made, you actually made both decisions and forked off a universe. Uh, so imagine, you know, um, and, and I think if you use that, that, that little experiment of uh, you've probably seen a, uh, a puzzle uh, which goes kind of like this. You know, people are playing chess and they say, um, you know, for every chess square, um, you know, I'm going to double the amount of money that you owe me or something like that. And it only takes 32 squares before there's more than the amount of money in the, in the world. So it doesn't take long for every one of your decision points to create other decision points that create other ones and to fork off millions and millions and quadrillions and whatever large number you want to even come up with. Um, and those Richard Surrettes are all out there, and those Jim Elvages are all out there, and that's that's the theory. To me, it's out, outlandish, but that, that that is the theory that a lot of physicists are starting to believe in. Is it uh, would would all of these? Look, what I'm confused about is is consciousness. Which 
which reality, which version of Jim Elvidge or which version of Richard Serrett does, does our consciousness reside? I mean, uh, or does it reside in all of them or does it reside in, 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 in all of them simultaneously? Yeah, it resides in all of them simultaneously, according to theory. And, and, and that's, that's a great question because it kind of goes to the core of something that I don't think any of these physicists think about. You know, they, they admit that the observer seems to be central to determining the outcome of an experiment, but they don't admit that consciousness is anything more than an artifact of the complexity of our brain. So from their standpoint, if, if the universe splits and there's a Jim Elvidge in a different universe, that Jim Elvidge has a different consciousness because that's part of that brain you know, that, that other brain that's in the other universe. Um, if, on the other hand, you believe that there is a, you know, a singular consciousness to me or to you, then this theory wouldn't really make any sense. If, if, my, if I exist, and I don't know if, this, if we're talking here about parallel universes or we're simply talking about these ten theoretical dimensions... If I exist in those simultaneously and my consciousness, because I, I believe consciousness exists outside of the human body, um, I mean, is it, how do I know that I'm existing my, or that my consciousness is sort of riding along in this reality every day? How do I know I'm not jumping from this universe and tomorrow when I wake up, I'm in, in a parallel universe and the next day I'm living in a slightly different one? Which would explain, yeah, I, you know, which would explain why I can't on one day find that striped shirt in my closet, and then the next day it's <laughs> mysteriously there. Right. I mean, it, it could explain some of those things, but um, you may also have a very um, uh, creative dog who is uh, taking your shirt and <laughs> buried it somewhere. Yes, there's that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, the the idea that that your consciousness seems to follow where you are is sort of a um, self-referential idea, if you know what I mean. It, 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 it kind of, it's kind of like the anthropic principle that says, um, you know, why would we live in a universe that seems to be fine-tuned for life? The answer is we have to live in a universe that, that's fine-tuned for life because um, any other universe we wouldn't be in. So, so the, the same argument would, would kind of apply. You know, why do you think your consciousness is in this one rather than some parallel universe? Well, it's because this is where you are, and this is your consciousness perceiving it. Um, you can't, again, according to this theory, you can't interact with the Richard Surrett in, in another parallel universe. So you can't have a conversation with them. You can't experience what that consciousness would be like. Um, you know, what is it that makes you feel like you have continuity of consciousness despite the fact that all of these universes are creating? It's the same thing that would make you feel that you had continuity of consciousness in another universe. You know, that Richard Surrett would also feel the same way that, that you do. Again, I, I don't subscribe to this theory. I, I think it's, um, it's really outlandish, and it's far more outlandish than, you know, a creator of the universe might, might be. Um, to me, but uh, you know, I, I'm I'm not the people who are uh, making this a uh, kind of a proponent of this theory. All right, we'll take a time out. We'll come back and we'll uh, delve further into the implications of a multiverse, and uh, we'll also jump back into uh, your 
a theory, uh, Jim, uh, posited in The Universe Solved, this idea of a programmed reality, or uh, this is a digital uh, representation uh, of reality. And we'll also open up the phone lines at 416-360-0740 and toll-free from just about anywhere, 1-866-740-4740. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Loose lips sink ships, and sometimes corporations. Got something to say? Call Richard Serrett now at 416-360-0740. Or toll free in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. Just a few minutes remain with uh, Jim Elvidge, author of The Universe Solved. And you can check out his, uh, his work at the website, theuniversesolved.com. I've linked up to his site on um, my site. At, if you go to uh, theconspiracyshow.com and uh, click on radio, that'll take you to the show. All right, Jim, what are the implications for, for time travel? If these parallel universes exist, does that remove uh, some of the obstacles for time travel to the past? Yeah, it does, and that's actually kind of one of the interesting aspects of it. Um, you know, the way it works is uh, if you were to... Uh, travel to the past and say, you know, attempt to kill your grandfather, that grandfather paradox, that in reality, your decision to attempt to kill your grandfather is one decision you'd make. Uh, the other decision that you'd make where you wouldn't kill your grandfather um, or you wouldn't even be observed being in that reality would, would maybe be continuous with the current reality. But the other one forks off a whole new universe and and, and therefore you can you know, go ahead in that universe, um, you know, having, having killed your grandfather, but you're a different person then. So, so if, if you kind of think through this, and there are a lot of good uh, websites that um, talk about this possibility, it does provide an, an answer to the paradoxes around uh, time travel. Uh, and, and so just following the logic, uh, in, in, in this universe, I'm, I'm sort of living one timeline. Uh, in another universe, I may have I don't know, maybe I got hit by a car. I, I mean, I had a close call once. Maybe uh, in another universe I got hit by that car, passed away. Um, in another, uh, take a, I, I mentioned to the example of uh, John Lennon, you know. In another, in another universe, Mark David Chapman didn't shoot Lennon. Lennon lived. The Beatles reformed. They're still making music out there somewhere. Yeah, and wouldn't you like to, to uh, go and listen to that? <laughs> yes, and uh, I mean... To me, that's exciting to me that the the, the possibility. You know, maybe, maybe that's maybe that's immortality. Maybe that's that's an argument for immortality. That even if someone is dead here, out there somewhere in another dimension, in another universe, they still live. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up. There is a concept called, and I'm I'm sure it's a little bit different than this, but it has something to do with um, uh, it is re- referred to as quantum suicide. And the idea is that if you observe a quantum event, um, it, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't occur. So there have been some experiments where, you know, actually making an observation of the decay of particles prevents a particle from decaying. So theoretically, you could prevent um, 
you know, if you were able to observe the things that would cause you to uh, to die, you could theoretically live forever. And it's it's a kind of a weird concept, but it actually, you know, it it holds together in this uh, this weird quantum mechanics view of of the world. Unbelievable, Jim. What are you working on these days? What's next? Well, actually, yeah, Richard, I, I just finished up a paper on, like a lot of other people have really been kind of inspired about these uh, faster-than-light neutrinos or even even the possibility of them. And I think I have an idea that allows for causality to, to occur, which means that effect can't precede a cause, that relativistic effects occur, and that things can move faster than the speed of light. And, and most physicists have always said that of those three things, you can get two out of three, but you can't, can't get all three of them. And I believe you can get all three of them, and, and, and that's what my paper's about. I'm uh, kind of shopping it around right now and uh, blogging a little bit about some of the concepts behind it. All right, and can we, can we read about that at uh, theuniversesolved.com? Absolutely. Terrific. Well, Jim, listen, um, thanks. It's been too long. We'll, we'll uh, make sure that we get you back on much sooner next time. Yeah, thank you so much, Richard. I, I really appreciate your questions. You've got some uh, great, insightful questions, and I really enjoyed my time on the show. Appreciate it. Likewise. Thanks, Jim. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, listen, we'll, uh, we'll take a time out. When we come back, we're going to throw open the phone lines for the last hour of the show. This is such a popular uh, segment, we're going to extend it. We're going to do it for the full hour. And if you want to talk about what you've just heard, if you want to speculate about what a parallel universe might mean in terms of uh, a time travel or consciousness, we can certainly entertain that. If you want to, uh, if you want to talk about what, uh, what's transpired in the last 72 hours in, in Libya or what's going on in Europe with the, the current financial crisis, we can talk about that. If you've got a story that is sure to raise the hackles on the back of one's neck, I would love to hear that. 416-360-0740-866-740-4740. Get on board The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Thanks to Jeff Eden at Studio 8 for that uh, composition that brings us back into Hour 2 of the program. He also uh, composed the uh, our new opening theme and uh, a local band, Who Stole the Cookies, I've mentioned a couple of times. They've also offered up a couple of... Uh, 
of new songs for the show. And uh, that's, uh, that's uh, really thr- uh, a thrill and, and very humbling to have uh, some very talented musicians compose songs, especially for this program. All right, uh, open lines now until uh, we dim the lights in about 58 minutes and 30 seconds from now. Let's uh, begin with uh, Sergei in Toronto. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Richard. Thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to uh, to insert a word of caution in your discussion. It's very interesting what you've been uh, talking about, but from a professional point of view, I can uh, just add that it's important to distinguish between facts or viable theories and hypotheses. Uh, specifically, physics is an experimental science, and uh, theory in modern physics is replete with very esoteric concepts, but they're all supported by a mass of experimental evidence. No one experiment will support a theory. For example, the existence of quarks, they've never been observed directly. But there's a mass of experiments that support the existence uh, kind of indirectly. And by now, there's no, no doubt they do exist. By contrast, parallel universes really is hypothesis right now. It's an interesting tantalizing hypothesis to think about, but uh, it's not a fact, so that has to be understood. That said, philosophically speaking, it's quite interesting to uh, uh, to entertain the possibility to consider it. Well, thank you, sir, Guy. That's a, 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 absolutely that's an important caveat to offer, and that's what we do. We entertain the possibilities uh, on this program. Um, to me, the idea of a parallel universe is very intriguing. The idea that um, someone just like me or Sergei or Griffin, you exist in an infinite number of other universes and uh, you're living out an entirely different timeline or slightly different timeline separated by some quantum event. Uh, it's, I mean, it, it speaks to so many things. It speaks to the possibility of, uh, of immortality or, uh, you know, the, the fact that uh, because someone is dead in this universe doesn't mean that they're not alive and living out their life somewhere else. And is this maybe what we're, you know, I think intuitively we sort of, we, we have a feeling about these things, that, that these things might exist, and even if we're not able to articulate it in a, in a, in a scientific way. Sergey, thanks for the call. Always uh, good to hear from you. Joseph is in Mississauga this morning. Good morning, Joseph. Welcome to AM740 and The Conspiracy Show. Hello. Hi there. Go ahead. Yes, uh, uh, I'd like to explain to you uh, about the parallel universe. Uh, if you look at the YouTube, I put out exact information, what you need to know, uh, look under universal, universe, level two, and the Bible. I did a three-part explaining exactly uh, about the universe and where we are. All right. Do you want to give us a synopsis of what uh, what that is? Yes, go ahead. So explain a little bit more. It's universe, level two, and the Bible. And exactly what the Bible said, it took me 35 years to understand 10 to 20 pages, and that explained exactly where we are, what level we are, and what happened. We are in level 2, which means the first letter in the Bible in Hebrew, 
is the letter bet, means we are at the second level, and there is up to six level. Level three, okay, if level three would look at level two, where we are, it would look so small that we cannot see it. If you are at level four, level three will look so small that we cannot see it. So all the scientists tell you about the parallel universe, it exists but only exists because God plants a different universe, not for us. He plants other universe, plants seeds, and not all seeds bear fruit. Got it. Okay. okay. So is this what, jo- Joseph, do you think this is what, what uh, is meant in the Bible when it says, you know, you know, God has many mansions? Is he talking about parallel universes? It's explain uh, everything. If you look at the... I'll give you my phone number after the show if you want, and I, I can explain to you more. Okay, well, you can leave that with, uh, with uh, my producer, Griffin, if you'd like. And in the meantime, uh, we can check that out on, uh, on YouTube. Uh, what is the, uh, the search word again? Universe Level 2 and the Bible. Universe Level 2 and the Bible. Okay, Joseph, we'll, uh, we'll check that out. I'll and check you, that out. YouTube. All right, appreciate that. And Thank the, you. The three parts. A three-parter. All right. And I have two more parts. One part is about the soul. Okay. Okay. Uh, and the soul, first of all, uh, the man is after soul, the woman is after half, and it's it's a, it's a very complex. I, I will do it on, on the part number five. All right. I'm not ready complete yet. Okay, Joseph. We'll look forward to that. Thank you. Let's say hello next to uh, Doug in Indiana. Welcome, Doug. Good morning. Yeah, Richard. Uh, I was wondering what you think about the theory of, uh, in our known universe, uh, scientists say that our galaxies are rotating towards black holes in the center, and some black holes exist in the interior of the universe. We really don't know. Light is drawn into it and distorted, and any kind of uh, mass objects are compressed. But we don't know where this goes to. I mean, is this a porthole that opens up into another dimension? Could this be the way of uh, traveling to other dimensions, possibly? Uh, I think so. One um, theoretical physicist who was sort of a contemporary of Einstein, um, his name escapes me, but I'll think of it, he was the one that, that suggested that that um, it is there, there is some wiggle room within Einstein's theory of relativity uh, for time travel, and um, um, you know, Einstein was sort of uh, very hesitant to go there. I mean, he Einstein himself never entirely ruled out time travel. Um, in fact, in the margins of the book that that gentleman I just mentioned um, uh, wrote about this, Einstein sort of scribbled in the margins, you know, uh, saying, "Oh well, maybe it is possible. I hadn't thought of that," and so forth. And and this this uh, physicist really described the entire universe as a time machine. Uh, In other words, we wouldn't have to construct a time machine because the, I mean, you would have to harness the power of a sun, a sun at least, in order to generate enough power to do that. Um, uh, But if the universe itself is a time machine, and he was referring to these vortexes and things like wormholes and black holes, uh, then perhaps uh, it is possible to travel to another dimension. 
vis-a-vis uh, -vis these these black holes. It's it's uh, it's certainly something to think about, Doug. I appreciate you raising the point, Doug, in Indiana. Okay. All right, 416-360-0740, 416-360-0740, and toll-free from out of town, 866-740-4740. We'll uh, take a timeout. On the other side, more of your calls here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To speak to Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. Keeping an eye on the New World Order, this is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. I'm getting ready to, uh, to head off to uh, Greece in a couple of weeks. And um, while over there, I mean, we'll, we'll continue, we'll have um, new shows here for you. Uh, let me give you a heads up what's coming up. On um, next week, of course, is the Halloween special. The, the following Sunday is November the 6th. And we're going to talk with, uh, I'm going to talk with the Honorable Paul Hellyer, Canada's former defense minister and the, uh, the former deputy prime minister. Um, who's always been a political maverick and um, uh, is one of the few people in this country to speak openly, certainly anyone of his stature, to speak openly about the need to uh, reform the, the global financial uh, situation, but specifically here in Canada, uh, the Bank of Canada. He explains what it is, why it was formed, how it was changed without our knowledge, its role, how its role was changed, and what we need to do to get back um, uh, to, uh, to those days when we could actually, the government could borrow from the Bank of Canada instead of borrow, borrowing from the international bankers. And he explains, you know, that 90% of our, our, our current debt, which is at around $550 billion, about 90% of that or more is compound interest, and there's no need for that. Uh, so uh, the Honorable Paul Hellyer will be here to talk about that. And then Marie Jones with a very interesting uh, a, a book she's written about uh, destiny uh, versus free will and the scientific uh, evidence. Um, that It's a great conversation. You know, is our destiny written in the stars? Are we dealt, you know, a, a hand? Do we have to play those cards according to that hand? Or are we the masters of our own destiny? So Marie Jones will be uh, here to discuss that. That's coming up on November the 6th. On the uh, 13th, uh, we're going to do a special on inventors, uh, talking about uh, um, these underdog inventors and their relentless pursuit of clean energy. Uh, it's called Mad Like Tesla, and the author is uh, Tyler Hamilton. He, uh, he'll be here. 
as well as Lamont Wood, who will be taking a look at inventors, innovators, and these ideas that appear to come out of nowhere. Uh, for example, did you know that uh, back in ancient Greece, they were playing with steam uh, toys that ran on steam, like steam engines? I mean, this is uh, thousands of years before, you know, uh, Samuel Watt invented the steam engine. How do you explain these sorts of things? That's Lamont Wood, and the book is uh, Out of Space and Time. Uh, and then on the 20th, we'll have our 48th anniversary JFK assassination uh, special uh, with Max Brown from JFK Deep Politics Quarterly. And uh, our other guest on that show will be Philip K. Nelson, uh, who's written a book called LBJ, The Mastermind Behind the JFK Assassination. That's right, pointing the finger at the, uh, the vice president at the time, Lyndon Baines Johnson. All right. Uh, let's say hello to Bruce, who is in Scarborough. Good morning, Bruce. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. You're on the air. Hi, Richard. Um, I've got a thousand questions I'd love to ask or discuss. But anyhow, just very simple. How many times have you ever, um, in a moment, maybe in a crowd or with uh, just your loved ones or whatever, experienced deja vu? Um, I have had... Uh, not a lot of, of uh, deja vu experiences, but the ones that I have uh, have been very powerful, uh, Some in, in some cases slightly disturbing. The most, re- the most recent one I had uh, goes back about uh, five years ago. I was traveling with my family in New Jersey, and uh, I didn't know um, much about my ancestry at that time, but what happened was very quickly, Bruce, and then I'll let you tell your story. So I'm traveling in this particular p- part of New Jersey. We're there for a family wedding. We drive down this main drag of an historic town, and I'm looking around driving, and I just got these chills up and down my spine, and I thought, my gosh, this place feels so familiar, and it, it, uh, it feels like home here. Boy, I, I like this place. Something feels so right about this place. I'd like to live here. And uh, then, several years later, uh, Ancestry.com are offering this free trial period. You can search your family history on there. So, I, I mean, I had known that my, my, on my mother's side, my, her family had emigrated to Canada from New Jersey, but I didn't know where. And lo and behold, I'm on their Ancestry.com, and I'm finding these documents, and they came from this exact place that I had driven down that town and thinking, my God, this place sounds or feels so familiar. Uh, so that was one of the most poignant experiences I've had with deja vu. Well, I didn't necessarily have uh, any experience, particular experience that I wanted to share necessarily, I'm, even though I've had many. Um, I just thought, uh, listening about the parallel universe and all that uh, type of thing, you know, I can't help but think, uh, is it not, maybe it could be somehow, maybe that uh, the other Bruce and the other, one of the other uh, parallel universes that just had just lived that moment prior to me or something like that. No, that's, you know, that's a, an excellent point. I wish I had more time with Jim Elvidge because I would have liked to have gotten into that. Uh, I'm yes. surprised you didn't, to be quite candid with you, because I thought it was, I was waiting because I thought it was such an obvious thing, you know. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, yeah. Well, I mean, it's such a. First of all, you, you, you know, it takes a while to sort of explain the whole concept, and, and yeah, right. that's one area I'd like to get into. That's an excellent point. Like, if if you are 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 experiencing déjà vu, in other words, it's possible that one of your alternative selves in a parallel universe experienced that, and you're and and 
you're yeah, sort of uh, exactly. you're That's sharing that saying. experience. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I can't give you precisely. Uh, that's basically exactly what I'm trying to portray. Well, you know, it, to me, your explanation makes uh, of deja vu makes a lot more sense than the mainstream scientific explanation, which goes like this. Here's how they explain deja vu. The one of your optical nerves, the left eye or the right eye, is infinitesimally uh, but measurably smaller than the other one, shorter than the other one. And so what they're saying is that one optical nerve receives information which goes to the brain at like a nanosecond quicker than the other one. So that, that information gets to the brain before the other. And that explains deja vu, except, of course, that blind people also experience deja vu. So that theory goes right out the window. I like your explanation better, Bruce. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's my comment, Richard. Uh, excellent show. Uh, really great. I appreciate hearing from you, Bruce. Call yeah, again. Nice talking to you. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. There's Bruce in Scarborough. Uh, let's see. Why don't we work Carmen in here? Carmen, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Where are you calling from, first of all? Uh, Toronto. All right. Welcome. Okay. Uh, great show. Uh, I, the guest was especially good, and uh, the questions, uh, I think, were um, so pertinent, and uh, I've always wanted to ask them myself. Um, in the course of daily conversation, most people sort of laugh at the ideal, and they say, just one world at a time, please. Uh, we're, we're having enough trouble with this world. But I think it's uh, hopeful. And just as uh, in our history, we had to get the used to the idea that the world is round rather than flat, I think it's uh, more probable that these multiverses exist and that our consciousnesses are being developed to to, uh, uh, you know, receive a kind of uh, a more a more uh, interesting view of life and existence. Uh, so, anyways, the show I think spoke to that. And uh, what do you think you're doing in a parallel universe, Carmen? Probably uh, writing songs for Paris Hilton, which <laughs> I'm doing here. Obviously, you you had such a quick pat answer. Obviously, you've, you've thought a lot about that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Great and, to hear uh, from you again, Carmen. Thank you. Okay, thank it's you. been a while. Okay. All right. Uh, let's say hello to uh, Carl, who's calling from London, Ontario. Hello, Carl. Yes. Uh, I am the number one skeptic on UFOs. So many of your shows, so many shows on the television now are about UFOs. And there are a lot of garbage from what I think. All right. Uh, there, there was, there was a, a British documentary on a couple of years ago. I don't know if you saw The Truth About Flying Saucers or The True Story of Flying Saucers, it was called. Uh, I'm not sure if I've seen that one, but you're right. There's so much out there, it's hard to keep track. Uh, the Central Intelligence Agency is behind the whole thing. Uh, this myth is being uh, to cover up test flights, of uh, test aircraft. Well, so, no, that's an interesting theory, Carl. It's, it's one that I, 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 I buy into it to a certain extent. But what you're saying, though, is you're saying the UFO phenomenon is real. People are seeing something tangible, but it's a conspiracy. It's a cover-up, which is... Yes, yes. Okay. So what you're saying is you're a skeptic that there are extraterrestrials who are reaching our planet vast distances through time and space in, in, in these craft. You're saying people are seeing something, but what they're seeing is black ops secret space program, that sort of thing. Yes. Uh, you've heard of Project NICAP and Project uh, Magic? Yes, yes. Well, write those two down. What do you, what do you notice when you write those down? Uh, well, you've got Majestic. You, yeah, Majestic, yeah, yeah. The letters 
CIA are right. involved. Yes. The CIA has a sense of humor. That's what this British documentary uh, noted. The the men in dark, the men in black, or whatever. That's mm-hmm. another part, another joke that they. Uh, uh, but right, right in ICAP down N I C A P and M A J I C, and tell me what you see. The letters C I A. Well, I think uh, Carl that um, I think. Uh, I, I recently did an episode on uh, the conspiracy TV show on the secret space program. And I think uh, talking to people like Michael Schratt, aerospace engineer, and, uh, and T- Thomas Fallone, a, a physicist, an engineer, and inventor, that probably 90% of the UFO phenomenon can be explained by uh, um, advanced U.S., maybe British um, um, Aerospace technology. Uh, I mean, keeping in mind that uh, uh, Lockheed Martin's secret developmental program, Skunk Works, uh, the the, the fellow that led that uh, for many years until his death, Ben Rich, said, we have things out in the desert in in hangars, airport hangars, uh, that are 50 years beyond your wildest imagination. So keeping that in mind, I think in many cases, when you see something that you can't explain up in the sky, it's not, doesn't say, you know, it, it's not extraterrestrial, it's probably made in the good old USA. But that's, that to me is almost as incredible as the whole, you know, ET hypothesis, that, that we have, uh, you know, spacecraft that, that uh, uh, perhaps have anti-gravitic technology on board, um, all of these things. So... I don't think you're a skeptic. Well, you're a skeptic, which you should be. You're not a debunker, though, which um, I, I, know, I think we need skeptics, Carl. Well, I, I'm a little confused, actually, because I spoke about two years ago with a, an 80-year-old retired aircraft colonel. And I asked him, I said, uh, are there such things as flying saucers? And he told me, yes. He said, it's true. All right. I, t- I said I can't tell you anymore. But uh, well, the, the, but the question, the follow-up question, Carl, is yes, but who's piloting them? Yeah, there's so many conflicting stories that you never know which one really to believe. But I, I, I uh, when he told me this retired Air Force colonel that it's true. Mm-hmm. Well, he, maybe he was part of the cover-up. Maybe um, he's trying to cover up this secret space program. Yeah, maybe, 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 but uh, he was a Canadian, and uh, there's no space program in Canada, is there, as far as I know? Well, we do have one. We have, um, we have a space agency. I mean, we're, we're not sending men uh, out into orbit yet, but uh, we have, a, of course, had astronauts on board the space shuttle and, and, and the space uh, uh, lab and so forth. Anyway, Carl, great to hear from you. I hope you'll call again. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, let's see. Do I owe you an, a timeout, Griff? Let's, no? He's saying keep going. All right. Uh, let's say hi to Lynn in Toronto. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning. Uh, my feeling is that what you think is deja vu. Yes. When you saw, uh, when you went into New Jersey. Yes. Uh, is inherited memory. Inherited memories. Yeah. In other words, uh, my my ancestors spoke to me through my DNA. Yes. Like you 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 didn't know it, but it's there. In your memory somewhere, it's what you've you've inherited it. Yeah, I, I think that um, that's a very plausible explanation as well, and, and it's one that I I've, I've thought about. Yeah. Yes, and you you've also like for example, um, uh, the things that you love, um, 
they've also been inherited way back. See, because how far back can you remember your ancestors? How many generations back can you go? Can you go and say, I I remember what they what they did or what they liked? Not many. See, that's the same with me. But then, how come I have this thing for boats and and water and trains and and like my father, he was a truck driver. So without uh, ever driving a truck, uh, I know what, like, uh, the sound of a motor, a good motor, a bad motor. Uh, I know when a truck is running good. Um, I have a fear of height, but because um, I think that's inherited from my mother, because before, she, like, she had this stupid uh, boyfriend who took her to Niagara Falls, and for a joke, he held her over the falls, and she nearly, you know, uh, she she nearly died of fright, and I, that's what I why I think we've inherited the the memories through our, and this comes out like and that could explain a lot of unexplained fears that people have for no reason. They say, well, I don't know why I'm afraid of that. No, that's true, Lynn. It could also explain uh, the past life uh, experiences uh, that we we. And even a past life regression therapist will, will, will tell you this. Um, and I've witnessed a number of past life regressions. And we did um, another episode on past life regressions in, on season two of the Conspiracy TV show this season. Uh, that a past life, a memory experienced during a past life regression, it could be a past life, an actual memory of a past life, or it could be genetic. It could come through their DNA. And that's what you're talking about, Lynn. We are, in fact, our ancestors. All right, Lynn, great to hear from you. 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. Richard Serrett here from The Conspiracy Show. Open lines now until the top of the hour. That's 1 a.m. Eastern in radio speak. And uh, if you're calling from out of town, toll free from Maine to Minnesota and south to the Carolinas. Yes, we do reach that far. 866 740 866-740-4740. I mean, I love to hear from my Canadian audience and people in, in Toronto and Southern Ontario and Quebec, but it's, it's, I always get kind of jazzed when I hear, a, when I get a call from someone, you know, driving down Canal Street in Washington, D.C., or uh, they're in uh, Charleston, uh, North Carolina, or they're in, uh, uh, they're in Patterson, New Jersey, or uh, Poughkeepsie, New York. Or Indiana, we heard earlier from Indiana. I love to hear from those of you uh, who are from uh, out there somewhere. All right, time out. When we come back, we can continue to talk about uh, cosmology, parallel universes, time travel, just about anything goes. If you want to talk deep politics, we can do that as well. Again, 416-360-0740, 866-740-4740. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. 
Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. want the truth? You can handle the truth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To get to the truth, call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Last week on the program, we had uh, Judith Very Baker. Uh, who says she was Lee Harvey Oswald's uh, mistress. I happen to believe her story after uh, weighing the evidence, reading the book. I think she's very credible. Uh, Anyway, she was in Toronto uh, this past week and uh, did the rounds. And uh, she was um, on my good friend Michael Corrin's uh, program, um, The Arena, on Sun TV on Wednesday. Uh, Anyway, um, I'm not at... uh, I'm not able to speak about it right now. I'm hoping to get uh, approval to speak about it. Um, I'm just sort of discussing via email with um, her publicist, Chris, about an incident that, uh, that occurred here in Toronto while Judith was here that I'd like to share with you, but I, can't, I don't have permission to do that right now. Uh, but it speaks to... I mean, she, t- she, she, talked, she was quite open about the fact that, you know, she's on the lam. You know, she's not able to live in the United States. Uh, because those people responsible for the assassination of JFK are still, to some degree, in positions of power and authority and influence. Uh, And, you know, she pointed uh, fingers and named names and and so forth. So you can understand why it wouldn't be safe. Uh, In fact, when she went back to the U.S., there were attempts on her life. And um, I wanted to speak to that issue while she was here in Toronto, but... um, more details, perhaps, um, in the coming weeks. I can share that with you. Um, also, just a reminder, again, if you missed Season 2 of The Conspiracy Show or you missed an episode, and they played, uh, we played 31 episodes from Season 2 and Season 1 on uh, Vision TV, and uh, that wrapped up this past Thursday. Uh, those episodes, by and large, are available online, if you're in Canada only, uh, at visiontv.com www.visiontv.com. Just click on Schedule, find uh, The Conspiracy Show, and uh, you'll find it. It's all there. Uh, So we just, we sit tight and we wait uh, for news of of Season 3. I can't wait to get back out on the road and start uh, cranking out some more episodes. Uh, All right, let's say hello to uh, Dave in Brooklyn. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Dave, good morning. Oh, hi. I wanted to uh, talk about time travel is this the Brooklyn near Whitby, Ontario, or Brooklyn, New York? No, this is Brooklyn, New York City. Ah, welcome. Thank you. All right, um, time travel. I read, I can't remember, but I remember reading somewhere that uh, if you were able to travel back in time, you would not travel back in time in your own universe. You would be, you could travel back in time, but it would be the past of another universe. Sort of like a highway with uh, 
an infinite number of lanes, all the traffic going in one direction. And if you cross over and or if you make a U-turn and go back on that highway and cross over into another lane, you can only cross over into a, and go back into another lane, not your own lane. Right. This is uh, exactly what um, David Deutsch and others at Oxford University were talking about, that this multiverse theory would allow time travel to the past because it would skirt around one of the major obstacles to time travel to the past, which is the grandfather paradox. That is, if, uh, if you went back in time, uh, you did something, uh, any, even a quantum event, but if something dramatic happened, like, as I mentioned earlier, the grandfather paradox, you run over your grandfather, that means you would, you would destroy the timeline and you wouldn't be born because you killed your grandfather, therefore your father or your mother wouldn't be born, therefore you wouldn't exist. Um, but if there were parallel universes, each with separate timelines, and you were able to jump from one t parallel universe, one universe to the next, then that's, that avoids the grandfather paradox. Exactly, Dave. You've got that right. Yeah, but you're traveling into the past only in another universe. Yeah, so technically it's not really time travel, is it? Uh, into the past of another universe, right. but not your own. Correct. Correct. Only a parallel universe. Correct. Only so, another one, that's not right. yours. That's right. So you're not traveling to your past, you're traveling to... Another past, a, a parallel past. There you go. It's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, that but could... to me, it sort of doesn't really make sense, sense to travel into the past of your own universe because it does not exist anymore. No, that's... that's the past doesn't exist anymore, does it? Well, that gets into the whole nature, into the whole question of what is time, right? You're right. I mean, it's... A, it's a, what, is, what is time and what is the past? Uh, how, how can you travel back to something that, that no longer exists? Yeah. But you could also say the same thing about the future, I suppose. The future doesn't exist yet, except, I mean, all, the, all that exists is the moment, and then it's gone. Uh, yeah. But travel, time travel to the future is possible. I mean, their experiments have been made. Well, we're traveling into the future right now. The future is always, you know, one minute from now is the future, two minutes from now. We're tra you know, every second is traveling into the future, but not the far future. It's moment by moment. Right, right. right. I mean, this, was, this has been measured, right? You've got uh, two atomic clocks, one on the ground, stationary. The other atomic clock gets, is placed on a, on, a, on a jet plane that flies very fast. Uh, and and uh, when that plane lands, the atomic clock on the plane is uh, the time is slightly different than the one on the ground because gravity that uh, that uh, that's part of it but it's you're actually it's like like when an astronaut travels into space when he comes back he is he's slightly younger um, uh, he, he didn't age as quickly as we did here on earth so in, in but I heard that that is is only that only happens when you travel at this near the speed of light. Well, it, it, it the effect increases as you approach the speed of light, but it is measurable at distances uh, at speeds far less than the speed of light. Um, but so the idea is, if you were to travel near the speed of light, and assuming that Einstein is correct, and you cannot travel faster than the speed of light, although that's becoming questionable now with these neutrinos. But if you could travel, if you could approach the speed of light and then come back to Earth, 
your your friends may have aged, you know, 20 years and you haven't aged hardly well, at all. From what, I, from what I heard, as you travel so near the speed of light, time slows down. Yes, correct. But also, the, there's another problem. When you travel near the speed of light, your body stretches out and becomes infinite, you know, sort of like strength. Energy. Strength being thin, or is that, what about that problem? Well, yeah, there, there, I mean, Einstein outlined the problems with, with attaining speed of light. The, the, that uh, what happens is uh, the, the, uh, the mass increases. Right, increase of mass or stretching of mass or something and so, like that, yeah. right? So in other words, in order, now, now the mass is bigger so that the energy required to move that increasing mass uh, increases. So, and the, quick, the, the closer you get to the speed of light, the greater the mass, and then the greater the energy that's required to propel that. Uh, and, and the time slowing down. Right. So, yeah, these are these are problems uh, with with uh, the speed of light. But you may not need to attain the speed of light in order to time travel. If and again, this comes back to the parallel uh, universe theory that you could you could jump from one parallel universe to another, uh, and then it's uh, I guess you could call it quantum access. Uh, then the speed of light is irrelevant. Because you're not talking about space and time. You're talking about jumping from one dimension to the next. Hey, great to hear from Brooklyn, a borough in uh, the greatest city on earth, next to Toronto, of course, New York City. Love it. Love it. Can't wait to get back there. Uh, Let's see. Let's say hello and good morning to Diane, who is in Hamilton, Steeltown, checking in tonight or this morning. Good morning, Diane. Oh, hello. Uh, This is my first. I've I've heard your program before, but this is it first time calling. Well, welcome. Um, I have a question. Like, like they say, after a person dies, they come back. They come back. My mother died. My mother died in uh, in December, uh, a few a few years back. And and in the in July, I think it was in July. Uh, at night, early uh, early uh, say. Six o'clock, seven o'clock. Uh, I was in the kitchen, and and this uh, soft gray ball with a tail behind it came through our living room window, and out, and it got as far as the kitchen door, the kitchen door, and the between the uh, living room and the kitchen. It got that far, and I was sitting at the kitchen table, and it slowed down, and uh, I said, "Mom." It slowed down, and then it, and then I stopped for a few minutes, and then it, and then it speeded up and went out through the kitchen window. And they and they say when a person dies that they come back to see if everything is all right. Is yes. that true? Is it true? Well, I I believe uh, in in that to a certain extent. I mean, uh, I'm an Orthodox Christian, uh, and and uh, you know, according to the Bible, we're not supposed to, uh, you know, um, partake in necromancy. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily discount spirit communication. Uh, you know, we believe in the angelic realm. We believe in communion with the saints, right? We pray to the saints. We pray to the uh, the Virgin Mary. We so uh, these are people that lived and died. So obviously, then spirit communication, uh, at least within the Christian uh, uh, um, tradition, exists. It's real. The question is, can they come back? 
Um, again, people, there is an oral uh, tradition. Uh, in, in, and where would, they, where would this little ball go? Because they, they said they could come back to see if everything is okay, and then they're taken over to the other side. So where, 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 where mm-hmm. is the other side? Ah, that's the million-dollar question. I mean, we were, we were talking about parallel universes in the last hour, Diane. Is that, maybe it's, another, it's simply another dimension. Maybe it's right in front of our nose, heaven, the angelic realm, the spirit world, is right in front of your nose, but you can't perceive it. Would, it, would, there, be a, would there be another planet out there somewhere where everybody that passes away... Their, their spirit is taken up to this other planet, and there's and there's uh, some type of a life up there. That that's that's possible. That's possible uh, because um, uh, you know it gets back to that quote in in the Bible about you know God has uh, many mansions. Now some people theorize that ev- that every one of us, every soul that has lived or ever or will live, um, gets to sort of inherit one of those stars or one of those planets and rule that planet. Um, I believe that might even be part of the Mormon tradition. I'm not sure. But, you know, there, um, I think the, the possibilities are, are endless. But I think, um, I don't think, I know that consciousness survives physical death. Yeah. Uh, and the question is, you know, where do we go? In what form? Uh, to what extent can we communicate? Uh, uh, next week, and again, I'm going to be talking about Harry Houdini's after-death experiment, which uh, uh, it appears that that it was a success that he was able to to communicate with his wife Bess from beyond the grave. Um, well, yeah, with a person's spirit uh, when they die, and a newborn baby is being born around the same time, does, would their spirit go into a newborn baby? Well, now you're talking about reincarnation, and I don't happen. I personally don't subscribe to reincarnation. Yeah. However, uh, about probably roughly 20% of the world's population does believe in that. So um, the okay. people that I've talked to about reincarnation say that it, uh, an incarnation doesn't happen instantaneously. It, uh, typically, it takes seven years here on this plane uh, for a soul to reincarnate. Yeah. What do you think? I, I don't know. This is, this is why, why I've been thinking about this for quite some time after that, what happened to me. I was so surprised to see this little great ball and it stopping. Did you get a sense it was your mother's mother? I, I, I did, yes, because it, when, I, when I said mom, I stopped. So I figured she'd come back because she wanted to see if I, if I was okay, the house was okay, and her garden, because she loved her garden. And, and I had been busy all, all uh, spring there playing planting the garden, putting the flowers and everything in this. And Were you comforted by that? See. Were you comforted by it? Uh, I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so. But I just, but it's just been on my mind. I just, you know, I, I, I told my brother that and uh, about these different things. And, uh, and you know, I just kind of, I've been wondering and wondering and wondering. <laughs> Did anyone else in the family have a, a, a similar experience? No, my brother. My brother. Uh, he had a house. He has a house of his own. So I was the only one left. Left because uh, my brother. My father passed away quite a few. Oh, years you're living in the same house that your mother lived. Yes. And did this? Did this gray ball, as you described it, did it pass through the glass or through an open window? No, through the through the living room window, glass, glass, through, through and, the glass, uh, right out the kitchen window, and the, and the windows weren't open, like like. Uh, was it glowing, or how would you describe it? Was it diaphanous? Was it like fog? What was it? 
it was sort of foggy, soft gray, sort of foggy, a hazer, a hairy haze or something, and it had this tail behind it, like it was tail was uh, giving it energy, sort of. Interesting, sort of, and it seemed to have some intelligence. It it stopped and hovered around you. Uh, well, just for a few minutes, uh, up up in the air, hmm. up in the air when it came through, it was up in the air, and I was sitting down at the kitchen table, and then when I said, "Mom, it's." it's it hesitated for a few minutes, and that's, then it speeded up and went out the kitchen window. That's a remarkable story, Diana. Obviously, something you'll never ever forget. Oh, and I never will. You know, I I just I wanted to find out, you know, about it kind of thing, because you know, when you see something like that, it makes me it makes a person wonder, you know. Yes. And, well, uh, use that wonder, Diane, and uh, uh, you know, there's uh, been. You could fill a library with uh, with the books that have been written about um, afterlife, uh, after death communication, spirit communication, reincarnation, uh, immortality. What happens to the human soul? I mean, you can find it in the Bible, the Christian Bible, the Jewish Bible, the Quran. Uh, all of the holy books talk about this subject. Really, you know, it's the most important topic, right? What yeah. What happens to us after we die? Could I also tell you? Uh, well, when we when we moved into this house, it was a little while, not too long after we moved in. I, every time I went down into the basement of the house to do laundry, I could feel somebody watching me. And I asked my mother one day if she felt the same way, and she said no. So one day when my mother and father were out for the afternoon, I was in the house all by myself, and all this... Uh, I could feel somebody watching me upstairs in the living room. So I sat down on the couch and I said, I said, uh, please, please come forward. And what came forward was the head of an old man with white hair and, and a white beard. And uh, I said, and then it disappeared. And I said, you look like a good man. I said, you're free to go. You're free to go. So, so uh, and it made another flash and, and it it disappeared, and then about uh, this was in the summertime. So in the winter, winter time, it came back, and he had a. I could feel somebody walking on my chest because I was in bed early hours of the morning. I could feel somebody walking on my chest, and it woke me up. And here was this old man, and he had a young fellow with him, very tiny figures, but it was the same. I recognized the face of the old man, and I guess he came back to tell me that that he met whoever whoever the young man was and that everything was okay and after that i've had i have had no experience that after all that happened i've never felt anything more going down in the basement to do laundry somebody watching me well uh who here's hoping that uh, you don't <laughs> have that experience again but you did have it it was real to you um whatever that means you know, those of you listening, you'll have to decide for yourself. I think Diane now um, is a firm believer in an afterlife, and uh, uh, it just takes one experience to turn to turn you around. I mean, you can think about, you can theorize about it, uh, you can be skeptical about it, but then when it happens to you, all of those arguments, all of that logic, it goes out the window. How do you explain what you just saw and felt? All right, we'll take a time out. Uh, time for a few more calls at 416-360-0740. Toll free, 866-744-740. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show exclusively on AM740 Zoomer Radio. 
If you're sure your phone isn't tapped, call now, 416-360-0740 or toll free in Ontario at 1-866-740-4740. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM Welcome back. That is um, Stolen Cookies from the band Who Stole the Cookies. That's uh, Nick Soder and uh, company, a local Toronto band, and you can probably catch them at a pub near you sometime. They're great, a lot of energy, a lot of fun, and they were kind enough to uh, compose that song, Stolen Cookies. And another one that I think we're going to try and end the show with uh, tonight, if time permits, called Nothing Concealed. Of course, uh, I use... uh, uh, a sign-off each night that comes from the book of Matthew. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known, blah, blah, blah. And uh, uh, so they've written a song with lyrics called Nothing Concealed. And I'm getting a lot of feedback. People want to find out where they can get that song and so forth. Uh, And um, I am going to post the lyrics on my website one of these days. Forgive me, uh, I'm not a, um, a web guy, so things take me a little bit longer. Um, in the meantime, I know that the band is going to try and and post that song up on their website, www.whostolethecookies.ca. That song you just heard, the instrumental, will be up there eventually. And um, so will this next one called Nothing Concealed. And people are saying, well, where can I find out more? Where can I? What are the lyrics and so forth? Uh, let me just read you the, the lyrics here. Nothing Concealed. So they assume that you don't think, don't realize you're on the brink. A germ of truth is what you get, but you will catch the story yet. A steady stream of words all day, they really don't have much to say. It's hard to know what's going on. Forget what's said, see what is done. And then the chorus. What they think they have concealed is someday going to be revealed. Don't be afraid to seek and find. It's so much better than being blind. Wonderful uh, uh, lyrics. So again, thanks to uh, Who Stole the Cookies uh, for that. Uh, let me see. I um, I mentioned, uh, just giving you some updates on what's coming up in November. Busy month. I'll be in Greece with the family, uh, sort of uh, enjoying some time off, but also doing a little bit of research on uh, who and what is behind that whole uh, economic meltdown. Not only in Greece, but of course it's coming to Italy and then Spain, Portugal, who knows? Ireland is a, an economic basket case. Who knows where it's going to stop? Uh, who knows, you know, where this is all leading? It's not good. Um, in any event, uh, while I'm away in Greece, though, there will be new shows here for you. On the uh, 20th, I mentioned the JFK assassination uh, anniversary. On the 27th, 
Victor Vigiani will uh, step behind the microphone and occupy the uh, the air chair here. And uh, Victor, of course, familiar to many or most of you. He joins me um, from time to time on the show when we talk about UFOs and ETs. And uh, he'll be talking a little bit about that, no doubt. But he's going to spread his wings and, and talk about other things. So, uh, you know, remember back in your school days when um, the regular teacher was away. Not that I'm a teacher. Uh, but the analogy, uh, I think, is still uh, apt. And... Uh, you know, the substitute would come in, and uh, sometimes you thought you could get away with a little bit more because the substitute teacher was uh, in. Anyway, uh, be kind to, to Victor, a good friend of the program, and uh, promises to deliver a great uh, show. He's a stellar broadcaster, great storyteller, and uh, runs a great show. So, uh, Victor Vigiani, live in studio on the 27th, running the program. Uh, and then I will be back on December the 4th, our first show in December. Uh, why don't we close the, uh, the show then, uh, Griffin, with nothing concealed by who stole the cookies. Who Stole the Cookies? Nothing Concealed. Nick Soder and company. Thank you for that. WhoStoleTheCookies.com, the website. And uh, back next week with our Halloween special. Thanks to uh, Griffin March for a production. As always, Jim Elvridge, our uh, guest in the first hour. Uh, Jim's uh, website is TheUniverseSolved.com. He's also got a book of the same name. 
And uh, we'll be back next week again with our Halloween special. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There is nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.